Good afternoon. We see people logging in. Good afternoon. Morning to some, right? Yeah. Yeah, still morning on the West Coast. Uh, as you're signing in, we'd love to know where everyone is calling in from and joining us. So open up those chats and share your first name and where you're calling in from just so we can see what kind of community we have here. Yeah. I love this part. I love seeing where people are from. All right, everybody, just for your awareness, um, you will not be recorded today on your video. Uh, likewise, the chat may have your whole name in it if you didn't change your name on your Zoom settings, but that won't appear either in the recording. So I don't want anybody worried about that. Uh, if you wanna change it, and you don't want people knowing who you are, full name, um, then that's fine. Uh, the only way they're gonna figure that out is through the chat. So we'll leave that over to you. If you don't chat, nobody knows who you are, if you're in the meeting, anything at all. So mm -hmm. I just want to put everyone at ease in that regard. And so let's get going. So happy Friday the 13th. Um, I, I don't want to disappoint anybody, nor do I ever want to discount anybody's fears or pain or anything. But we are not going to be discussing the merits or pitfalls of fearing a day on the calendar today. Okay. <laughs> uh, some folks may be frightened by the date. I used to be one of those guys, I'll be honest. Uh, hockey mask and other stuff like that just scares me to death to this date. <laughs> But we're going to be talking about something far more applicable to recovery work. And to be honest, it's, it's a little bit more frightening. Um, we're going to talk about traumas and triggers that are caused by actual people, their sins, and resulting situations. Mm -hmm. And so before we get going, I want to welcome everybody. Um, you see my incredibly, inordinately beautiful wife uh, sitting next to me. Uh, we'll, we'll go through a little bit more of why she's here here in a minute. Uh, everybody sees Scott. He is our remote resident. I don't know if that's actually a thing. Chaplain. Um, thank you so much for being here again, Scott. Um, he's also a, a therapist. And so he does a, a nice stunt doubling. And, uh, and then we have Tracy. Tracy's joining us from North Florida. Um, I am thrilled to death that, that she's here as well. She has significant stuff to talk about today in terms of recovery and triggers and trauma. Um, and so but as always, we want to get it kicked off with a word of prayer. So, Scott, if you'll pray for us and get us into the meeting. You bet. So I was just seeing people from Hungary and Belgium. Lord, your, your arms are, are longer than any other. And, and, Lord, you can reach down to those deep, dark places in our, our lives that we think we can hide from you. So, Lord, bring us into the light. Wrap your arms around us and help us have confidence or um, faith in you, Lord, because you're the author and perfecter of it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Scott. By, by the way, folks, we're already over 100 participants. I anticipate the number will continue to go up as folks get the break for lunch and everything. So um, thank you all, all for being here. Normally, we do something kind of fun as an icebreaker in the beginning, but I want to get right into it today. There is a ton of ground to cover. We're still going to do a little bit of a chat activity. Um, but men, as we talk about triggers and trauma today, uh, if you're comfortable and in the chat, if you would please post or share a trigger or a reminder or a trauma that your significant other experienced that caught you completely blindsided. And it was something you probably should have seen coming. As you look back at, at the history of, of what all's occurred and what all happened. Um, and, and listen, if you were the hurt, you know, uh, part of the issue, meaning that if you were betrayed, if somebody hurt you, um, I would love to hear about something that, that really kind of took you flat-footed and you were just completely unprepared for it and, and maybe you should have been ready for it. 
Mm. And so can you give some examples of what some of those triggers may be? Because triggers for women can be anything. It can be sights, sounds, smells, somebody's name, an anniversary date. Maybe I'm giving you some ideas. Yeah. Do you have some other ones? Yeah. yeah for example, uh, you guys are probably going to think that I'm a, I'm a toad and I am. Okay. So um, we were a few months into recovery. Uh, my wife had just given me extensive grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Uh, if anybody ever wants to see our story, you know, let me know. I can shoot you a link on that. But I mean, it was bad what happened. And it was probably some of the stuff that most people would think of. There, there's no way that Christ can can redeem that. Well, in the beginning, I, I was not super, I guess, in tune with how she was feeling and what was going on. Uh, I was just thankful that she was letting me sleep in the house. Um, and so we would go places that we used to go all the time. I'm talking about to uh, local public pools, our, our neighborhood, you know, water park, um, our, uh, our beach that was close by. And I never thought twice about it. And so as we were doing these things, she, she, she was always kind of withdrawing a little bit and I would try to pull it out of her. And I think that she was just too embarrassed and, and really just didn't want to talk about it. But just the, the copious amount of exposed humanity out there, it just, it, it really, it made her feel very small and it made her, I don't know. I just, I can't even explain it as I look back at it and think about what an idiot I was for not recognizing her trigger and reminder there. So that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Maybe so, trips to the beach yeah. or bars or holidays, or maybe the wedding ring or photos, who knows something that has recently triggered your spouse. So if you throw that in there, and I think this helps get the conversation rolling by sharing, because you're going to realize you're not the only one married to someone that's struggling because your spouse, if you're married, your partner is struggling. So, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So in the chat today, I just want to encourage you. Um, there's not going to be a survey after this. Everything's going to come from the chat. If you have a question that goes unanswered or you want to talk about something, uh, put it in the chat. Uh, most of us are monitoring it today. Sadly, I can't really see it that well. So I'll need some prompting uh, from somebody else. If we're going to thank you, Scott if we are going to uh, address it in the meeting. Um, I'm just so ex excited to introduce our guest today. And so uh, you've already met my wife. She is just a picture of God granted, superhuman, unexplainable grace, mercy, and forgiveness. The only way that comes is through Christ and her response to what he did on the cross. Amen. Uh, but I also want to kind of couch where she's been and what she's done. She is a retired doctor of physical therapy. Uh, after getting her doctorate, she stuck around and she was uh, a neurology teacher to other you know, physical therapy doctoral candidates. Um, she's got extensive training with the brain. Uh, and then she did a big career shift a few years back and went to school up at Liberty to learn how to become a licensed professional counselor. Um, right before all of these certification processes, she decided that she had no interest in one-on-one and she wanted to minister to groups, large groups that you're now a part of. <laughs> and so... Um, that, that's why she's here. Uh, that and she runs these ladies groups every Friday morning called the Sanctuary. And this is what they've been talking about the last two weeks. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Gentlemen, I am just so honored to be here with you today and to have my sweet sister Tracy here too. Um, we just want you to know we're not here to shame you. We are not here to bash you, to damn you, um, to throw salt on your wounds. We're here to help you. That's what we're here to do, because sometimes it helps to hear from another woman 
what your loved one is going through. And so we want to be a safe place so you can hear it from other people. So I've been working with your wives. I've been working with your loved ones uh, in the sanctuary. It's a meeting we have at 10 a.m. And let me assure you, they love you. A lot of them are hurt. They're scared to show that vulnerability. They're scared to trust you again, but they're reaching out and they desperately want healing. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, but they need your help. You are the main source of their pain, but the beautiful thing about God is he can use you to be the greatest source of her healing too. So that's what we wanna talk about today. How can we arm you to disarm your wives? So, you know, there's a big thing I think everybody learns in the Conquer series, sweetie. It was the thing that stood out the most to me when we went through it was the picture of those brains. Do you remember that? And they had a picture. Do you remember that, Scott, when you went through it? It's the, yeah, the MRIs. And it's a picture of a healthy brain. And then it's one of a meth user, I think. And then one of someone that's been in sex addiction for years. And you couldn't tell the difference between the meth user and the sex addict. They were exactly. Actually, the sex addict, I think, was a little more. Worse, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. worse. It was worse. I thought so too. I thought so too. There were parts that were just sunken in, parts that weren't being used um, as the the brain completely transformed over the years of the sexual sin. I hate to break it to you, but that same damage happens to your wife too if she doesn't get healing. That's called a trauma brain. And that actually is a real thing. And her brain can morph into that if she doesn't get help in healing with the triggers. And that's why you might be seeing someone you don't even recognize anymore because she is changing before your eyes. And if she doesn't get true healing and encouragement to face these triggers and her trauma, uh, she will continue to spiral. So there's, it's, this isn't all gloom and doom. We just got to point out you know, what, what is happening and be honest, but then celebrate in the hope that God gives us that there's a chance for redemption and healing for you and for her as well. Amen. And so I thank you so much, honey. I, this has been one of the most requested topics uh, after we finish up these meetings. Uh, we, we continue to get requests to come and see you know, what it is that we can do as men to help to help the women heal. And so in that light, uh, my wife and I are, are completely thrilled to have Tracy here with us today. Uh, she's joining us in Northeast Florida. As she continues you know, her own personal recovery, uh, she's found a special calling on her next steps, and she is actively helping other ladies discover their healing journey. So, Tracy, if you would, please tell us a little bit about where God has you right now uh, and where you're headed. Sounds good. Thank you. So first thing, God is good. I mean, even in the midst of betrayal. And, and gentlemen, you know, um, as women, it's heartache. Uh, it's craziness, and you probably have experienced it. I know that in in my situation, I, there was a moment of just craziness. Is this real? And my thoughts were going in a million different directions. Um, a lot of mind games. Um, the enemy is right there in our ears, just telling us lies. And, and then I'm sure you've experienced, you know, the sadness and seeing her depressed or angry, um, bitter, um, some resentment. Um, I saw in the chat, um, you know, even maybe some hospitals, some some time away. Um, and, I, and I'm just here to say that God is good, that I know God has a plan and it's his plan. And ultimately it's the plan. So it may not be in our timing, 
It may not be, you know, the timing of where you are right now, where she is right now, and you're wanting to speed this up, but I'm just here to assure you that he has your best interests at heart. So for me, it's been three and a half years and God is, you know, currently using my story. Um, I'm so blessed to have an opportunity and a platform to help women, um, to be speaking with you today. Um, actually, two years ago, I had a, an amazing opportunity to speak to a group of men in the same situation. And I just want, even though it's taking me three and a half years to get to where I am today, that God has this plan. He already wrote it out. He is going to use my story. And my prayer is that he's use, using your story. So I remember the first time I walked into my first women's betrayal group. And I looked around and I saw the most beautiful 12 women I had ever seen in one room. And I'm looking around this room and I'm starting to hear their stories. And for me, I walked in thinking I wasn't pretty enough. This is probably my fault. I wasn't sexy enough. I wasn't thin enough. Whatever the enough was, I was holding that on. And when I looked around that room, it was the first time that I really realized that betrayal was not about me. Um, that was definitely a deeper issue. And so we'll get into that in, in a little bit, but um, that's where I am today. So thank you, Lamar. Hey, th thanks for being here. I mean, it, it's unbelievably brave uh, for the both of you ladies to, to be in this room with, with a whole bunch of sweaty, you know, I mean, smelly dudes. Okay, it's virtual. Sorry. Yeah, we have four sons. I'm okay. really pretty comfortable. Yeah, she's kind of used to it. So, <laughs> all right, team. I want I wanted to get right into it. We got a ton of ground to cover today. So, Christina, if you could just kick us off, um, could you walk us through what women experience uh, with triggers and trauma? after betrayal. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is actually something I've been educating uh, your loved ones on because they don't even realize it. So it helps for them to understand what they're going through. Uh, again, I just want to reiterate, not, not shaming by any means. Uh, but what happens is when your wife receives discovery or disclosure um, or not receives it as discovery and realizes that she's been betrayed, her world literally, it just shatters into a million pieces. And if she wasn't even prepared for it, she's blindsided, that's just another element to the trauma that she induces. And infidelity trauma is one, it, it is the most personal kind of trauma a human can endure. And in that moment, nothing makes sense to her. And her brain tells her she's in danger because her story of her life has just been dumped. Uh, like the files, her memories, everything has been dumped and nothing makes sense to her anymore. So her, her brain says, danger, danger. And now her body has to respond in a certain way. And your loved one's response is going to be based upon how she's had to experience or how she's processed trauma uh, in her past. So your wife might be one that fights you know, you tell her and things might start being thrown. Um, she might start slamming things, yelling, screaming. She might be a fighter. Uh, she may have fleed. She may have just left, went right out the door as soon as she heard and just, I can't handle this. And she just had to escape. Um, she um, may have frozen and just, just maybe even collapsed and her body just shut down because she could not 
process the, the terror. She just became paralyzed by the terror. And then there's a fourth one a lot of people don't know. It's called fawn um, or appease. And this is the woman who, um, for the person that's hurting her, she just, she takes full responsibility. Well, it's my fault. And if I had been a better wife and I'll do anything to avoid it, just stay, stay, stay. Let's just brush it under the rug and just go on. And she minimizes everything to protect herself. So this is a response that she could not control. It was very automatic, very primitive. It, it was a survival response. We've all gone through it in a smaller capacity. I mean, think back on a time maybe when you've heard a car backfire or maybe stepped on a, a stick that you thought was a snake. Think of that reaction that you had, right? Your heart rate started increasing. You started sweating. Your muscles tightened. And, and you, you didn't know if you, had, you were going to get ready to fight someone or if you were going to have to run from danger. But the moment your body recognizes that there isn't danger, that it was just a stick or it was just a car that backfired, you can calm down. The problem with your wife is she can't calm down. And a lot of women stay in that heightened state because no matter how hard she tries to collect the pieces that were just shattered, she can't make sense of her new story. And that's very, very, very unsettling for her because if she doesn't understand the story of her past, she can't feel safe in her future. And so, I mean, think about how unsettling that could be. And so if she can't predict her future, she's going to panic. I mean, that's very scary when you lose your sense of identity and you start questioning your own judgment and you start wondering, how did I trust this person? I thought I knew everything about him. And now I hardly know who he is. I don't even recognize him. How could I not see this danger coming? And oh my goodness, what else am I missing? And who else should I be skeptical of? And, and how much of an idiot am I? And then I become hypervigilant and it's like, who else is gonna hurt me? And when's the next um, shoe gonna drop? And what else am I going to learn? And we're gonna do anything we can to make sure we're on heightened alert so another freight train doesn't come and steamroll us again. So, um, so when this happens, uh, she is going to face a world of triggers in this heightened state. And those triggers can come from any place like we talked about before. It can be sights, smells, sounds, anniversary dates, uh, any kind of reminders, music, um, dreams, I mean, she can just have a bad dream that can trigger her. And body sensations. Body sensations, yes. Any kind of body sensation. And what that does is it causes that trigger, causes her brain to say, the danger's back. And even if there is no danger, you know, right on the horizon, her body doesn't know that. Her brain doesn't know that. So she gets back into that heightened state. And so, um, so those triggers can really cause a lot of damage on her body. And do you have that list? Do you have a list of things? Yes. I want to see if we can share this because this might fascinate you because this might help you understand some of the things your wife might go through. I, it, the list is so long, I'm not even sure we can share the whole list. I and mean, we, might, we might just have to scroll a little bit because these are some of the things that a woman who's gone through trauma, infidelity um, in particular, will and can experience. So men, I encourage you to take this list, to look at this list. I'll have Lamar send it to you if you're interested and bring it to your wife and just say, hey, I may have missed something, but are these some things you've gone through? Um, Tracy, you mentioned some of the guys mentioned hospitalization. 
I was one of those women. It got so bad, I was hospitalized. And there's a condition known as broken heart syndrome. And I was diagnosed with that. My heart was literally dying because of the pain that I went through when Lamar left us. And it's, it is very real, it is very serious. And if left untreated, it can lead to, to, um, to cancers and to, um, I'm sure you've seen this, Scott, a lot with your patients. It seems like it comes hand in hand. Every time I work with a woman, there's all these physical symptoms she's fighting too. Uh, just digestive issues and, and bone issues and, and all these different things. And it, it takes us a while to link them together that, oh, this is the trauma doing this. Have you seen yeah. that, Scott? Sure. Um, so the body keeps the score, you know, so yes. I, I liked what you said about, you know, childhood trauma or complex PTSD. There may be triggers that she may not remember. I know my wife's not here, but she would be okay with sharing this. So, you know, early her trauma, you know, in the garage with, you know, her older sister and one of the neighborhood kids and, you know, the experimentation or show me mine, show me yours kind of thing. Those kind of things, you know, will sit in there and they, they're like uh, landmines all around. And so as you enter into this, there's no safe place, you know, to be found. Um, and yeah, the, the husband needs to, you know, get healthy, um, stand up, put his big boy pants on, you know, while he's trying to recover too. And you can't do it alone, you need help. And so I'm, I'm kind of scattered, but I, I think the, regardless of the uh, situation, you know, if you can see your spouse and, and love them, you know, when, when we were first dating, we would talk and talk and talk. So we hours in the morning and then I'd call to make sure she got home, you know, and then I'd call her in the morning. Hey, you know, you're up ready for work because it was so talking so late, but being seen is so important. And then significant, you know, that value that she's priceless, you know, a woman of noble character who can find um, she's worth far more than rubies. And then even the verse in the, Soul refiner for today is that um, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. You know, that significance, praising her for what, what she's been through and going through. And then safety. She may not feel safe at all, but if you can get those three things in place, then she's going to be able to self-regulate and self-soothe, you know, in a healthy way. But if she's not seen, she doesn't feel significant and she doesn't feel safe. You know, that's that's your task, guys, is, you know, how do you set that up so that she can, you know, work through that? But yeah, any triggers, you know, it can be anything, you know, just like for us, you know, the trauma is there in the arousal template. Those are the ones that we have to attack. And your wife has a set of those same things, you know, knowing what arouses you, she's going to try to protect you, that hypervigilance, you know, that uh, you were talking about. Um, but that's not her job. She's not your um, accountability partner. She's not your phone screener. She's not your babysitter. She's none of those things, you know? So you get the help where you need it and make sure that she has it too. I, I might've went off the question, but there was one that was pretty cool that was in the, the chat box about, um, you know, uh, intimacy anorexia and does that cause spotting in the brain too? I don't think there's any studies to show that, but anytime you avoid things or ignore things, the longer it is, the blood flow goes down and those, those brain cells are going to, there's pruning that goes on and there's going to be holes or gaps in there. So um, anything that goes on dura with duration and to the PTSD, if it goes on for a long, if it, the trauma goes on for a longer time, then it, it is rated as PTSD and 
definitely complex PTSD with trauma from, from the youth so yeah. or younger. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate that expertise. Spot yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, Scott. So guys, I want to give you a tip number one. Okay. And this is from uh, an infidelity ridden guy to, to, you know, whatever it is, your situation, wherever it finds you. Okay. So tip number one is you need to relay to her that it is not her fault. It's not, I don't care what she did. Nobody deserves what happened to her. And so when, when you can allow that to happen, you can prevent that insidious number four, that fawn, where she has to suddenly look around at her life and take inventory and think like, well, what, what did I do wrong? How come, how come I wasn't a good enough wife? Maybe I, you know, Tracy mentioned earlier, what if I wasn't pretty enough and thin enough or, or whatever that looks like, okay? It is not her fault. And when you can relay that sincerely and then start doing work on your own to, to fix what is ailing you, that's the best shot that she has. And then you walk alongside her. So, so Tracy, I, I am so excited for this. And could you just give us a little bit of background on some of your triggers and how they applied to betrayal you know, in your situation? Yeah, certainly. So um, the first one would be um, her name. So um, the affair partner, I just, I couldn't say that name out loud. Um, hearing that name, I mean, I had all, my heart would race, my eyes would tear up and, and I'm not a crier. And I'm like, what are these things coming out of my eyelashes? Because that just wasn't me. I mean, I had all of from a single name that I had heard many, many times before. It's a common name. Um, and of course, everywhere I went, it was the lady at the checkout. It was my waitress. And, you know, it just seemed like that name was just constantly coming up. So um, just to let you know that the name is probably a, a large trigger for her. So if you're out and you um, hear that name or if she knows that name, um, just that should be like red alert, red alert. Like you need to focus because you need to be watching her. You need to look at her physically. Has her tone of voice changed? Is she shaking? Is she trying to divert, which would what I would normally do? I'm like, nope, I'm not dealing with it. And then I would just shut down. So obviously going immediately quiet. Um, So one of the things that I can um, give you maybe a good analogy with triggers is um, take a beach ball, like blow up that beach ball and put yourself in a small room. And the first few times I heard that name after everything came out, you throw that ball against a wall and that ball is going to bounce everywhere it possibly can. And it's going to take a while. And then eventually that ball is tired and it slows down and it hits the ground and it stops. That is what triggers are like at the very beginning and then over time like I can hear that name now and that ball just lightly hits the wall and kind of goes down the wall it's still a little bit triggering it's only been you know three years Um, another one is uh, maybe it was a place like for me it was a particular restaurant literally that restaurant is at a certain location but it's a chain so of course everywhere I drove if I would go by that restaurant I would start shaking like my hands on the steering wheel. And I'm like, did I not have enough sugar today? Like what is going on? And I didn't realize it was literally that sign would trigger me. And I can tell you that it just recently, I was able to go with a friend to that restaurant. Um, I just walked in and I was like, let's just breathe. Um, It's just a building. 
Um, he is a new man. He has shown me he is trustworthy. And that trigger, though, um, was creating all of these physical uh, reactions. And yet mentally, there was no way I was going to walk into that building, right? Um, so be aware as you went through disclosure, if there are locations, um, just make sure you're aware if you're driving by that location, you may want to look at her and see if anything is changing. And then probably one of the most powerful ones for me is former photo memories. So uh, we recently had a big discussion about this. Um, he would send me like, oh, honey, look like this. Remember this memory? And to him, that memory was in a box and it was such a pure memory and it was so good. And he remembers how he felt. But for me, I get that on my phone and I look at it. And the first thing I look at is the date. And I'm like, oh, well, that was in February. Well, I know in February he was with her. And was he texting her before this? Was he texting her while, right? So again, um, we made an, an agreement between us that I just don't want to receive past memories at this time because they trigger me. They like his perception of that is very different than mine. And so I'm hoping that as you're hearing this, you can process realizing that you're not meaning to trigger her. Um, that what triggers you and what triggers her may be very different. And so just making you aware of some of these things and definitely Lamar, if we can get that list out, that'll, that'll be really helpful to them um, to just bring it to the forefront of your mind. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the things that you'll start to see in her um, later on um, in the session. But those are just a few of the ones that maybe you can think about and apply. All right, fantastic. Thank you so much, uh, Tracy. I, and, and as these roll out, um, some of the guys may be thinking that, well, that's completely unreasonable. That's got nothing to do with where I am in recovery right now. Yeah. I know. Okay, it's not, it's not based on what you're doing right now. Okay, it's based on what you did. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about how to own that here in a little bit. But before we go into that, baby. Yeah. Um, triggers there, for me, uh, the triggers have become less and less like that. I love the analogy, Tracy, of the beach ball. Uh, now, when I'm triggered, I really do feel like it just kind of bounces maybe one or two walls and falls down. Every once in a while, I have one that stays up in the air for quite a while, but it's much, it's so much fewer and further between. Uh, initially, I was triggered with everything. It was anytime the kids lied to me, that lie was a reminder of all of Lamar's lies. Anytime Lamar would put on cologne to go to work, I would be triggered anytime he looked at his phone or tried to take it to the bathroom or if there was a pretty girl that went by i just knew he was lusting after her i mean every single thing triggered me and what helped me with my triggers was actually lamar and i would love to share with you what he did because it was the sweetest gift that he could have done for us considering the circumstances and he was coached through this so i'd, I'd love to coach you through this Lamar and I both spent time writing down everything um, that hurt me. It's called our losses. It's, it's the things that his sin took from me. And I needed to know that he got it. And I knew he would never fully understand the depths of what betrayal pain feels like, but I needed to him to at least try. And I think every single woman has this longing for their partner 
to at least try to feel the pain that they're experiencing. So Lamar did that and he sat down and he wrote down a list. My infidelity cost you this because of this. And he made this giant list. I made a list. Same thing. This is what it cost me. Our counselor advised us to do this, but the, the neat thing that he did next was the sweet gift. He took those two lists and then he made boundaries to keep us safe. Notice I didn't say boundaries just for him. It was boundaries for us because there are things in there that were triggering to me that really weren't issues for him, but he still needed to put safeguards in place to make me feel safe because my brain didn't know that yet. So he would go through, we can give some examples. For example, he mentioned going to the beach. There's a lot of skin there and that was very triggering. And he, he told me that that was the time when he used to look in my sunglasses so he could see the reflection of other women there. That took vulnerability to share that. But then we realized that's not a safe place for a season for us to go. And he said, as long as you don't want to go, we don't have to go. Or if we had to go to the pool when our boys were swimming, he'd always find a place where he could turn the chairs away from everyone. Or if we went to a restaurant, he no longer faced the door because he confessed to me that he used to watch women walk through that door. And as hard as it was for him to tell me what his what his weaknesses were and the things that he used to do, he was not only protecting himself in those regards, but he was also setting up safeguards to me. And men, let me tell you, this could be the best gift in the world for your wife or for your loved one, because she doesn't want to be your babysitter. She doesn't want to do like what Scott was saying and, and monitor all your phones and do this. She probably already has kids. And this is there's nothing sexy about babysitting a grown man. And there's just nothing intimate about that. And she might need to for a while and let her, especially if she's in the acute stages and if this is what she needs, by all means, give her the passwords, give her access, let her monitor her heart's desire because she needs that to process if she's in the acute stages. But gift it to her, what can I do to make you feel safe? I know this hurts you. Do we need to go a longer way? Do we need to go a different route so we don't pass that city? Do we you know, walk beside her and ask her what will help her and show her this list of boundaries? And I think that's just the sweetest thing you can do. Yeah, guys, I, I can't uh, echo that enough. Um, she is not wanting to be your mom. She wants to be your wife. Mm -hmm. Okay, she doesn't want to be your accountability partner. She will eventually wind up being the first person that senses something's different with you if you start to go back down the wrong path. Okay, that's very different. And all those things she was talking about, I think that's still got to be available to her. She, Christine still has all my passwords. She has access to everything that I do online, my phone, et cetera. Okay? But that's whenever she might get the feeling that way. I mean, every now and then she'll just pick up the phone. And I'll tell you, there's, nothing, there's no freedom quite like knowing that whatever she looks at on that phone is going to be on the up and up. Okay. But my goodness, when you offer that freely of yourself and you give that account rather than her demanding accountability from you, it changes everything. So yeah, Lamar, you were telling the truth rather than gaslamping or trying to cover it up. Because I think, you know, not to make excuses for men, but you know, we sear our conscious, we sear our brains, we sear our hearts to, to sin like that. And the sin does a, another layer of searing. And we're, we don't have that ability for compassion. But if you can't tell your story, if you can't speak truth, then it's a lie. You know, so wow, that those are powerful things. And yeah, quitting a job, maybe moving, 
you know, selling your car, whatever it is, um, she has to be first in the midst of that too. You took a vow, love, honor, and cherish till when? You got sober? No, until death do you part. Amen. So you put everything on the line and you have to take care of your healing. But if you can't tell your story, that's, that's a problem. Yeah. Amen, Scott. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Tracy's very familiar with our favorite pastor. Uh, he, he was pastor at our collective church there for a long time. I think Tracy still goes to this church, mm -hmm. he, but he'll, he'll echo this. He says, man, there are a lot of jobs. There are a lot of cars, a lot of houses, but there is only one mama. There is only one wife that God gave you. So what is it going to be? Mm -hmm. All right. The hardest person to forsake of all is yourself for your wife. And so, guys, let me just encourage you in that regard. So, Tracy's next question is over to you. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious, Tracy, when you get triggered, um, what is helpful for your partner to do? What What are some things that, that he can do to help you when you're triggered? Because there's a bunch of men here. They're like, well, what do I do? I understand she's triggered. I know it's causing trauma. Well, what can I do in those moments when you're heightened? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one thing is, I mean, this applies to women and men is that it's like a beach ball and you take that beach ball that we talked about earlier that, you know, the one you blow up and now you're in the ocean and you are just going to hold it down and you're going to hold because you are in control and I got this and I'm going to hold it down. Well, eventually you're going to get tired. And you're going to be exhausted. And then what happens is it's going to explode. And so I just want to encourage the men here that you have triggers too. And it's important that you guys talk about them. And what's happening is she may be triggered, but he, she's not telling you. And she's trying as hard as she can to keep that, that um, beach ball um, way down. So the first thing is talking. Um, it's really just you have to sit and talk with her um, and see, like, if you notice she's gone totally silent and her face has changed and her legs start moving away from you, it's a good possibility that she's been triggered. So just ask her gently, like, honey, are you okay? What are all women going to say? I'm fine. She says, I'm fine. That is step two is to say, honey, like, I, I'm just sensing something is not right. Like, can you talk to me and listen now, hopefully she will then start to share with you what's going on. If she doesn't, maybe one of the things that you can ask her, it's like, were you just triggered? Like, did you just have a memory um, and see what she'll do? And so if she starts talking, it's just listen, don't interrupt her. Don't make any excuses. And then once she gets that out, the best thing to do is to reiterate back to her what she said. There's two reasons why you want to do that. One, when she hears it back, she may be thinking, oh, that's not really what I meant. And so let her say it again. Or two, it helps you to understand, did you hear it correctly? And as you are reiterating it back to her, she may correct you in that. And so it just kind of takes what was heightened, her trigger, and we're trying to bring it down. All right. Um, the other thing I would love is just to take ownership. And again, Lamar, you've said it over and over again. Um, you have to take ownership. Um, tell her that you are sorry. You are sorry that she was triggered. Reassure her. 
um, not only through your words, but through your actions. Um, I know a lot of men, when it starts to get like this, you may want to reach out. You may want to hug her. You may want to touch her. Unfortunately, you're going to have to start gauging that because that may trigger her. And now you now it's two triggers in the last you know 60 seconds, right? But make sure that you're listening. You're not making excuses. Take that ownership. But I encourage you. I am a FLIR. I am take that beach ball and I'm going to push it way, way down, which is why it's taken me so long to get to the healing that, you know, I had hoped to have been healed, you know, earlier. And I will tell you, it's when he kept coming to me and he would say things like, are you sure you're okay? Have you been triggered? And when he said, have you been triggered? It made me like, okay, he gets it. Okay, I don't have to bring it up. I don't want to be the one that brings it up. And it gave me the opportunity to then just be open because I'm like, well, I don't want to rehash, right? You know, we've talked about this, but this trigger is almost like going back, but it's how you present it to each other. It's being calm, quieting it down. Love it, love it, love it. And I can tell you from experience, having gone through this, uh, some other things that Lamar did, it was the consistency. It wasn't just one and done, like an apology. I've already apologized. I can tell you right now, the worst thing you can possibly say to a woman going through recovery who's been betrayed is I've already apologized for that. If I mean, if you wanna see a woman spiral, just say the words, I've already apologized for that. Or are we still visiting that? Or we haven't moved on? Or just get over it. Just get over it. Not possible. I mean, I just pack your bags because this is you're going for a you're going for a trip and it's not going to be pretty. So highly encourage you not to do that. But when you come beside your loved one and you they're in this they're in the hole and you may have seen this Brene Brown skit and you come beside them, not yell down the hole. You OK down there? What can I you get? Want a sandwich? You? you want a sandwich? No. Yeah. You do ask her what she needs, but come and hold the umbrella for her. I can see you're in pain. I can see you're in this hole that I created. And even if she's hurting and it has nothing to do, she's been triggered with nothing that you have done in that moment, I assure you it was your past pain that is causing this future pain. And, and she might see a sweet little couple on a bench, you know, sharing a cup of coffee, and she could think to herself, They've had 50 years of fidelity and I'm never going to have that now. I'm never going to have an exclusive partner now. And so she could be triggered. I mean, are you supposed to apologize for the little man and woman sitting on the bench that you just happened to walk by? Yeah. Yeah, you are again and again and again. You might not be responsible for that woman and you might not have done anything to have that couple be sitting on the bench but it's the pain you've caused her that makes her regret or makes her sad or makes her triggered and own that i mean lamar he's so good about coming beside me and saying i am so sorry that what i did in the past is making you feel what you feel right now and i can tell you now my triggers are just so few and far between because he has consistently done this over and over again mm-hmm Wendell wrote something neat in the chat. It's it's A V R, acknowledge, validate, and reassure. You know, so it's it's yeah, it's taking ownership. I acknowledge it, I validate it, and I reassure it. Yeah. I, I like to look at it as emotional constipation too. When that breaks loose, boy, it's messy. That 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 uh, beach ball comes up, 
sprays water all over the place. It's messy, mm -hmm. you know, so stand by. I mean, this is going to be a messy thing and God can make good things out of your mess. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. <laughs> that is too funny. I can always rely on, on, on chaps there to go just a little bit more gross than me. So, man, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Scott. And um, Scott, if you don't mind just starting to cobble together a few more uh, questions. Uh, again, I can't really see the chat that well. Um, I'd, I'd love for the ladies to have an opportunity. If you can come up with a couple of those, if you can glean them. Uh, in the meantime, hey, guys, listen, you have an earthly audience of one. Okay, and the only way that you can play the man and be the heroic SOB that you were called to be is with God in the center of your recovery. And so you have the earthly audience of one, that's your wife. You don't have to worry about checking in your four by four. You don't have to go sell your shotguns and your pistols. You know, you don't have to be less of a man to be the hero for her. Okay, you can be sensitive just for her. And then watch what happens in the rest of your relationships, your kids, your parents, your siblings, okay, the people at work, it changes everything. When you make it right with her through Christ, it can change really everything in your life. So I wanna encourage you in this and you don't have to be less manly, okay? Thank you, I, I did see the one chat just popped up that said language. Thank you so much. There's nothing more triggering to some ladies and even some of the men than somebody using poor language, even if it's in jest, I get it, I get it. but. Uh, always a place to be careful. We appreciate somebody uh, uh, policing that and helping us out. Um, and whoever used it poorly, hey, listen, you don't have to leave the meeting. We love you. <laughs> so, Tracy, can you share uh, just something that uh, has been placed on your heart? Or is there any other things um, that a man can do to be there for his hurt partner uh, when they are triggered? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's, it's important to understand that triggers do come and go. They're very, very strong, extremely strong in the beginning. And over time, they do tend to fade, but unfortunately, they don't disappear. So there, I don't want you to be under this illusion that, oh, we're good, that things are good and, and we're just off to a new beginning. Um, I, I think the statement that has helped me the most was, I am sorry you are triggered. We've had multiple conversations on um, forgiveness um, and I think there is a good point there is, you know, the difference between um, sympathy and empathy and, you know, that empathy, it's, it's like in the moment, like, I am sorry you are triggered and allowing the word trigger not to be a negative word. We hear trigger and it's like, oh, no. Yeah. Mm, all right. It, it, it's going to get messy. Right. But the more and more you talk about triggers with each other and understand triggers and be able to openly and honestly ask, like, were you just triggered? Is something going on? Then when triggers do come, there's a safe place. Create a safe environment for both of you. And maybe that is a, a safe word that, you know, that, hey, we need um can, can we talk and whatever that word is like we need to, we need to have a check-in like that's that's mine uh check-in is like we're going to go into a safe environment and we're going to talk about triggers um but the more and more you communicate i'll just be honest emotional intimacy is going to grow it is because you're being honest you're being open you're being transparent um so hopefully that gives you a little bit 
Christina? I do. I absolutely love that. And man, let me encourage you to work on your empathy building skills. Uh, Tracy, I hear, and, and Scott, I hear people, men say in particular, well, I'm just not empathetic. God didn't make me to be empathetic. Hogwash. Hogwash, y'all. I mean, and remember when I said that, hogwash, because you are made in the image and likeness of God, gentlemen every single one of you and our king our creator is the definition of empathetic and empathy so if he is empathetic that means you are too now you may have never learned you may have never had it demonstrated for you in your childhood home and that's okay learn there are so many powerful very effective empathy building fun exercises you can do with your spouse some of them are painful i'll be honest with you and you're gonna cry together but that's the whole definition of empathy uh, but that's i mean this is a huge part of recovery is establishing empathy and it's going to be hard and it's going to especially be hard if you're battling an addiction because that part of your brain has been shut down for a long time to feed the lower part of the brain that needed the addiction so it can come back and as you commit to renewing your minds as scripture tells us to do that empathy will come back but you have to practice it and so look up some fun exercises if you need some fun uh, suggestions on some empathy building exercises reach out to scott reach out to us we have a list of them that we can walk you through to do with your wife when she is ready the, the warpath has a neat one too it's the dailies Yes, I, I think it's named the dailies for a reason, you know, yes. it might be doing a daily. So it's, it's talking about a feeling that you had during the day. I used to think that it was two feelings during the day, but it's one. And then you look at that feeling. When have you had that feeling before? And so that goes down that, that trail, you know, and, and awakens or looks at the triggers from your past. So not only are you talking about the present, but you're looking at the past and when those those uh, feelings have been there before and then something you appreciate about not something that they do just more of a you know who they are rather than a human doing you know i guess it's human being and then praying together you know isn't that isn't that important you know we avoided things this isn't an excuse for men but you said it christina too is is we develop this like uh clogged up arteries in our brain like cholesterol they talked about delta fos b protein molecule and it inhibits our ability to be compassionate but as you start cleaning that stuff out and you start telling your story and you're being honest and you're working at it and yeah the tears laughter will come emotions yeah. and even those little things with the pictures of faces guys if you can't get your emotions just start there and then there's a list of emotions there's a color wheel of emotions. Yeah, there's tools out there that you can find your emotions and you realize that you're not as hard and crusty as you thought you were. That's right, that's right. And that empathy is a key, gentlemen, if you're wondering why you don't have intimacy. That is a huge part is because she needs to feel safe and that's gonna come first when she feels like you're empathetic and that you own what has been done and you understand the cost and what it is, what it is meant to her and how it has hurt her. And then when you start building that empathy and trust again, that's when the intimacy happens. Because all too often what happens is the man does the work. He becomes sober-minded. He's not masturbating. He's not emotionally involved with anyone. He's not having any sexual affairs, but he's still living in a loveless marriage. 
and because he has forgotten how to love his wife the right way and she is so fearful because she put her heart out there already so now she's she's withdrawing she's like i'm too scared now to have sex i'm too scared now to share my heart and my vulnerability and so now you're just you made it i mean you guys decided to commit uh, and you're all in in the marriage but there's nothing there and you're living on two opposite sides of the house that's not what god designed for you and on the other side of recovery, there should be a newfound, shared, emotional, spiritual, and yes, physical intimacy. And if you're not there, that just means there's a little bit more work to do in your marriage. And we have an incredible program called Stronger Together. Um, it's one that we're teaching right now. And, and uh, it teaches all about intimacy anorexia, which every, every sex addict I've ever worked with or someone that struggles with sexual sin has some degree of intimacy anorexia and the one that's been hurt does too because she withdraws and she gets hurt so how do you come and step forward and feel safe again to bring back that intimacy so look at that program guys if this is something you're doing ask your loved one it, would you be willing to take this class with me invite her get community of support because you need community and you need god god first Right? That's what we learn in Conquer Series and Warpath. You need God and you need community. Well, that's the same thing she needs. And it's the same thing the two of you need as well. Those are the key to healing. It's GPS, God's, you know, God's, I forget the P, something. But if you turn to God as your GPS, if he is your GPS, then it doesn't matter what direction you go, he's going to correct you. He's going to get you back on path. He's going to tell you, whoops, you missed a turn. Whoops, that's, you know, that's, that's not it. And he will be able to autocorrect you. But it takes going to him first. And we have to go to him first. And yeah. I, I think GPS, uh, the way I would explain it, would be God's perfect society. And that starts with him at the center. And it starts with God-fearing people around you, mm -hmm. getting in the middle of the herd sometimes, knowing that you need to be protected, that you're vulnerable, you're at risk. Yeah. Okay, Men. I love bringing it back to scripture and God made it really easy for us. The shortest verse in the Bible suitable for all men is two words, Jesus wept. So I encourage you to go look at the story of Lazarus, how it all went down. He knew that he was going to go there. He knew he was going to bring Lazarus forth out of that grave. He knew he was going to go back, but still he cried with his family because he was dead. Yeah. And so Pray continuously too is a good one. Mm, <laughs> Amen. Well, Christy would tell me that you want to have intimacy, go have intimacy with God. And mm -hmm. I'm talking about, you know, God's intimacy is better than sex. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, really? You know, I have to be that healthy. And yes, you do. Absolutely. Lamar, um, there is something in the chat I'd love to, to point out. Yes. So there is a situation that someone put in um, about being in a store, and this is going back to empathy, and you're just walking through the store, and this attractive woman is walking by, and now she's upset because you checked her out, whether you did or not, right? In her head, she was now triggered. And so, you know, and then you're like, no, I did not. And yes, you did. And next thing you know, it's a blow up fight, right? So that's what I sort of quickly read in there. Um, one of the things that, that I would just go back to is instead of defending yourself, you can look at her and just say, I'm sorry you were triggered by that. Yeah. I am sorry. And then how do you prevent those fights moving forward is you have to be proactive. So if you do see an attractive woman, and even though you have diverted your eyes, 
you know, whatever it might be, is maybe you direct the both of you down a different aisle. You didn't even need to go down that aisle, but you became proactive so that she wasn't triggered. That empathy, maybe at a restaurant, you go to sit down and there is maybe attractive woman sitting, which would be directly in your view. You can just say, you know what, honey, would it be okay if, if we moved or if I sat over here? Um, and again, the more that you do those proactive things, the more she starts to trust you. And that's the thing. It's becoming trustworthy and you're having empathy towards her because you don't want her triggered. You don't want her bouncing like that ball. Mm. So those were maybe some examples um, to help minimize those um, triggers that she might have, whether real or not, she's still triggered. Yes. And I would take it even one step further as you go through this process. When you start by saying, I am so sorry, you're triggered. Take it a next step further. And maybe this is a conversation you have not when she's triggered. In fact, I encourage you to have this conversation when she's not triggered. What can I do when you are? Yes. Do you need space? Do you need me to pray with you? Do you need me to come hold you? Do you need me to just be quiet <laughs> and shut my mouth? What is it that you need me to do? And here's a kicker, guys. It might not be the same answer every time. At one time, she might need a hug. The next time, she might not want you touching her. She might not know until that moment what she needs. And so I might, in this calm state, say, you know what, Lamar, I just love physical affection. So the next time we're triggered, could you just like come and just hug me? And then I'm triggered and he comes to hug me. I'm like, get off me, get <laughs> away from me. Expect that, okay? Expect a little crazy because it is crazy and we don't know, but don't have that conversation with her. Well, you said, uh -huh. don't do it. Don't, don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Don't, don't match her up here. Don't match her up here. Nothing has ever been solved up here, gentlemen. Once one person's up here and the other one jumps up here, no partner's ever going to say, blah, 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 and then their next partner say, oh, you're right. Oh, now I find peace. Now I'm all better never happens it's just going to get worse yeah. so have those conversations in the calm yeah and men all right look, look, i'll break it down for you caveman style that's about all i know you know naturally okay i had three emotions happy sad hungry but that before i went through you know all all the yuck of our relationship and all the all the yuck of my infidelity um and then the fallout of recovery um that was really all i had she is incredibly complex compared to me, okay? So I can cycle through happy, sad, and hungry pretty quickly. And I'm, I'm pretty sure hungry is not even an emotion, but I, I'll, I'll claim it, okay? She has a litany of possible emotions that she may be experiencing. Based off the current situation, based off of what's going on with her independently of the recovery. And so we can sincerely, and that's the, that's the key word here, because all this stuff can be used as a weapon, guys. Anybody can, can, can glibly, facetiously, meanly, wh whatever word you want to use, anybody can use this stuff as a way to jab at somebody whenever they're, they're weak, especially a woman in recovery. Mm. Okay, so if, if you're feeling particularly nasty when she's triggered, then just go ahead and be like, well, why, why, what can I do to help you? You're so triggered. Oh, my. I mean, that, that's, like the, that's like the lady at church saying, well, God bless your ministry. Okay, that's not a compliment. So, so be kind about it, be sincere. And the only way to do that is when Jesus is at the center of your heart, because you got to change because yeah. your best efforts landed you in the hot, the hot mess initially. So over to us. Yeah.
liked what you said about practicing the fire drill, you know, not during the fire, you know, get those things in place, you know, talk about it, what happens, you know, um, I know proper prior planning prevents, you know, uh, bad performance. Mm. <laughs> I love it. I love it. One last challenge I have for you, gentlemen. I know we've thrown a lot at you. Um, that list that we put up there, it takes a lot of courage for a man to be able to take this list to his loved one and say, could you check off what I did and what it caused you? Could you show me what you have experienced? Because I may have missed some of these things and I don't want to. And it takes a big man to grieve those losses with his wife and to come beside her and say, I am so sorry for what I've done to your mind and your body and your soul. It takes a big man and a woman needs to grieve. If she doesn't grieve, and a lot of Christian women struggle with this, you could be married to the most godly women, woman, but she thinks she has to quickly forgive, quickly show grace, quickly show mercy, quickly move on. And she doesn't grieve. She doesn't lament. She doesn't process her pain. Your, your wife, your loved one, who you did hurt, whether or not it was intentional, inadvertently, whatever, it does not matter. She's been hurt, she's been traumatized, and she needs healing. And so walk beside her. Don't make her do this alone. She might need space, respect that. Absolutely respect that if she says that. But this is a journey where you can really step up. If you guys have chosen to stay in this marriage, step up, she needs you. She really does. She might be scared to say that. She's too scared to show that vulnerability, but she does need you. She needs someone to help her with this pain, to acknowledge this pain and to grieve with her. Hey, thank you yeah. so much, baby. Uh, I want to say thank you uh, to Scott, obviously. Um, thank you so much. As always, chaps, we so appreciate it. Um, but Tracy, I mean, what an incredibly vulnerable position to be in. Thank you for, for your time. Thank you for your very kind words. Uh, I, I can speak, hopefully, for the vast majority of men. I don't think anybody over here on this side felt any kind of shame or guilt based off of what happened, unless it was just specifically for what they did mm. to their significant other. Um, nobody was feeling beaten about the head and shoulders by recovery. And, mm. and that is a true art form for a woman that's been through what you've been through. And so thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yes, thank you, Tracy, sweet sister. Thank you. Um, well, Scott, do you mind closing us out in prayer chaps? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, um, so there's a lot of talk about posting that list. I don't know if it can be oh. posted on Facebook or different places or the, they can have access to it, but that's that's the only thing that's coming in. That's I love it. Important. Yes, and we can also do the recording. I saw that question. The recording will be on Facebook, and if Facebook is a trigger, we also had the audio, you know, the, yeah. Yeah, the, we'll also have audio podcast versions of it on Amazon, Spotify, RSS. It will be on YouTube's Soul Refiner site. Uh, we just, we, we want to get this out as much as we can, just because there is hope. You know, too many folks across the world and especially across America think that, well, it's over. Um, if, if you were hurt, you think that there's no going back. If you did what you did with however many people, you think that, well, they couldn't possibly forgive me. And so the more that we can proliferate this, that, that there is hope, not only is there hope for, for restoration, but it goes straight through that end of redemption. I mean, it's the, it's the hopefully the marriage you always you know, fantasized about in a, in a good godly way. I like to call it the garden marriage. Mm -hmm.
like that. So yeah, Scott, if, go Lord, ahead. Scott. You can restore what the locusts have eaten. Lord, you can restore the the things that the enemy has stolen. And and you say that you know the accuser of the brethren is defeated by the blood of the lamb, by your blood, Lord, and the testimony. So help us to talk, to communicate, open that door of intimacy, um, and help us practice it daily and to see where the, the triggers are and, and practice those fire drills, Lord. Um, reading scripture together, praying together, Lord, help us to feel that closeness. And it begins with my relationship with, with you and, and, uh, and that's where the restoration comes from. Thank you for this time. Thank you for our journeys and our stories. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Tracy and Chaps, thank you so much. We love you too. We love all of you gentlemen. Keeping you all in our prayers and your wives as well and loved ones. All right, team. See you next month. Have a blessed weekend. Bye. Bye.